This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant. There is no David Moore this week. There is a David Moore. He's just not in the studio. He is in Atlanta uh, prepping for the Super Bowl. But uh, Evan and I are here to discuss the Rangers and uh, and all the really startling developments that have come forward. Uh, the signing of Sean Kelly, I know, has just about answered every fan's prayers about uh, what this team's going to do. Well, it has one thing it hasn't answered for me, and I remain flummoxed by this, is, uh, you know, they did go out and sign Lance Lynn, and they did go out and sign Shelby Miller. Yeah. Uh, and they traded for Drew Smiley. Yeah. Uh, this team basically has five starting pitchers at this point, and – Three of them have legitimate uh, injury recovery issues. Sure. Um, they don't have enough starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. And the idea that they could be forced into a situation where a um, where they could look at a Joe Palumbo or uh, uh, Taylor Hearn or Jonathan Hernandez uh, any time before August with this team – really startles me a little bit. Um, I think this team needs to add some more starting rotation depth. I don't know why they didn't uh, pursue the Derek Holland option after they initiated that. Did he sign a deal? He signed with San Francisco. That's right. Um, I thought, again, you know, Martin Perez was worth was worth money only because of the potential upside. Sure, he's not hurt. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Sean Kelly's another uh, a, a nice addition to the bullpen, but man, I, I just I I don't know what to think about what the Rangers are going to try and run out there for a starting rotation. Because you know what would they tell you? You got to have eight or nine guys, right? Uh, you got to have closer to twelve. You, twelve. You got to have closer to twelve options, you know. And and three of those guys need to be minor league contracts and. Three of those guys need to be minor leaguers who you will be able to call up and, and, right. and send out. And maybe one or two need to be guys who are who are rehabbing and, and would potentially be ready May, June, July, anywhere in there. Um, but I, it would be real hard for me to get to you. Look, the, the five guys that they've got right now, if they're all healthy, it's a nice, decent little rotation. Yeah, uh, The chances that. of that of that being the case – are slim, and then once you get past there, you've got some real, real issues. I think the next line of defense for the Rangers is Yoander Mendez, Ariel Dorado, and Ugh. Adrian Sampson. Um, Not a Hirado fan. 
Actually, I think I think the Rangers right now are bigger on Hirado than they are on Mendez. I think they feel like Hirado, um, he never got rattled, and he can't strike anybody out. That's true, and that's that's something that they would like to see more of. Um, but I, I think they do like the fact that he's really poised on the mound and not rattled, and I think they feel like that shows room to grow as he as he adjusts to the big leagues. a little rick hellingish maybe yeah yeah maybe that's what body wise too yeah kind of kind of sturdy like rick helling yeah rick yeah. was more of a actual linebacker on the mound but yeah he, he was uh but but yeah that's I'm, I'm still sitting here as as we're about to go into february and i'm just like i don't know what to think about this starting rotation and and, and it's not like i have any preconceptions that this team is going to compete or contend it's just like how do they get through the year i don't i don't understand what john daniels is doing and uh and i have uh we've talked about this before uh, but I, but i'm like you here's here's the issue with the guys they and i like all the guys that they that they've added to the rotation i think this is potentially a better rotation than it was going into last Season. Well, I mean, we could take, you, obviously Cole Hamels. Uh, it, it's got, it's, it's got potentially more depth among the five, first five than last year. Right. But, uh, as you said, you know, one of the, uh, Drew Smiley hasn't pitched in two years. Right. You know, uh, and so it, these, are all, these guys will all get the Mike Miner treatment, won't they? You would think. Yeah, so this means that they're going to be a half a season at least with those guys with limited, you know, workloads, probably going five innings and, and leaving. So now we're talking about really taxing the bullpen uh, and that the bullpen has a really good chance of being burnt out by June. So I, I, don't, under, I don't understand, you know, look, uh, first of all, I don't like the idea – that you're saying, you know what, we're really not going to be competitive until 2020, so we don't really want to waste any money. We don't want to spend any money, which is the last thing that fans want to hear. What do you mean? The ticket prices aren't going down. You know, I'm still having to pay a full price ticket. You're telling me you're not going to put as good a product out there because you don't want to spend money on it. So that, that's a hard argument to make. I, it's I, a hard I, argument to make, but I also think, you know, that the, the practical application from a business side is, Oh, I know and, and I know this. I know this to not necessarily be a hundred percent true, but money that's not spent this year, you hope that will be spent next year. Right. That if you save money this year, you're going to be more aggressive with big names next year, and that remains to be seen. Uh, but, but I'm not even talking about big names so much as I am just. But, but yeah, just let's add some people here. Let's face facts. I feel like at this point in time, what the Rangers are doing it doesn't necessarily I, I think the term you used a year ago was white flag i don't think this team is tanking per se but i do think that i they, think there's a difference between white flag and tanking. right i think that they have raised the white right white flag and are saying it doesn't really matter what we add we just need to add a couple of bodies um because we're not going to we're not going to contend yeah well, but it's, but it's like you said, uh, Derek Holland looked pretty good last year. Now, I know it was a National League, but he looked pretty good. He certainly looked better than any of the guys 
that they have in their rotation right now. Right. Martin Perez is 27 years old, maybe 20. I guess he'll be 28. He's going to be 28 year. in April. Yeah, he'll be 28 in April. Uh, and, and, you know, he was your guy. And, and I would think you would be petrified that this guy goes someplace else and finally ends up being the guy you wanted to be. And why not hold on to him? What what harm is there? And- I think the I think the negatives on Perez in their mind were this is also a guy who doesn't strike out a ton of, of, right. of hitters. And the second part, and and you can certainly if if the situation wasn't so dire for starting pitching, you can you could see the the idea of you know what we've not seen any growth. The guy still loses yeah. composure on the mound. We've not seen any growth on that front. You know, he's out there getting gored by bulls. He's slamming doors on his finger. Right. We, we're ready to move on. I could see the frustration there. I'm just saying this team has – There's no reason for you to be – look, you know he's not taking the place of somebody who deserves to be in that position. Not to start the year. No, no. he's not. There's nobody he's in the he's standing in the way of. And certainly the – so what you're doing now is you're putting guys up there in front of him who haven't pitched at all. So right. you don't know if they can even pitch. Right. At least you know Martin can go out there and stand up and 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 throw pitches. You know, right. and he, you don't have to put him on a watch. I you know, so these are the things I don't understand. I don't understand. Are are you really thinking that fans are going to be ticked off that oh my gosh they're running Martin Perez and Derek Holland out here again? I don't think that fans are going to feel that way. I don't think they're going to be impressed, but I think they're going to feel just as good as if they see if these guys. And, and what they do, so I, I don't understand. I'm having, I'm really struggling to understand the feeling behind all of this and why you, why they're ready to give up on people. I understand, like I said, you don't want to be blocking somebody, right? Uh, you know, and if you're blocking some really good, right? Pitchers, and, I, and I do think part of their whole, their whole idea is, look, we do feel like come the second half of the season, we yeah, are a different animal that a that a Palumbo, that a Jonathan Hernandez, that a Taylor Hearn. Will be ready to step in and get meaningful innings, um, and you know the hope is that if Smiley does prove that he's healthy, if Shelby Miller does bounce back, these are guys that you might get something for yeah. at the deadline. Right. But I just feel like you know to stop yourself from just out and out embarrassment, you've got to have some more options. And and let me say this: we're, we're talking here on January 29th about all this. Uh, this has been an interminably slow off season. Yeah, uh, there's still arms out there. Uh, the Rangers could sign guys up and into spring training. And, oh, I think and, that. And, I think it, through spring training, I would expect. Yeah, and, and so I don't. I don't. Uh, I I I I want to at least put that caveat on it. Okay. Um. But, but, but yeah, I'm confused, and and I I, I do feel like this team. Uh, it, it's it's been a long time. I th- probably since the start of the 2004 season. You know when when they traded Alex and basically said we're we're just going to rebuild. Uh, I feel like it's that unexciting of a of a team for fans to look toward. Yeah, it's it's unexciting. There's no question about that. Probably more unexciting than that 2014 because in 2004 you could say, okay, we've got Mark Teixeira, we've got Michael Young, we've got Hank Blaylock, we've got Alfonso Soriano, we've got a an entire infield of young twenty somethings. The the guys this year, there's Gallo, there's uh, Odor, there's Mazzara, there's Guzman. Uh, 
all right, maybe, maybe that's the same thing. Maybe. Yeah, here's the thing to me that should be depressing to fans. So MLB came out with its top 100 um, prospects in baseball, and the Rangers had three players who made that list, and a couple who were right outside. All in the, the 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all in the 80s. A couple of them right outside the top. Uh, Leody Tavares fell to 102. And Although Leody Tavares has not proven anything statistically no. as a minor league. I don't even know why you're looking at his stats and, and, and even think of him as prospect right. at all anymore. He's, right. he's been terrible. Uh, and then and then the, behind him, Joe Palumbo, I think, at 105. Um, so that, that sounds pretty you know, okay, that's better. You know, five guys in the range of the top 100 prospects. And then you look at the Astros uh, prospects. First of all, they've got a young team as it is uh, with stars all over it. And then they've got, uh, they've got what, six in the top 100, I think. It's either five or six. I just, I looked back at the American League West and just looked at um, if anybody had fewer than the Rangers in the top hundred, and the Angels had two, so yeah. Um, but they had they had somebody in the top twenty, right? And, and of course, Force Whitley of the, of the Astros was number six. Right, he is the top pitching prospect. All the all the prospects in front of him are position players. Right, he is, they they had the top pitching prospect and the top I believe the top catching prospect. Uh, so. <laughs> That's the thing here, and I, so I understand. On the on the one hand, you know, uh, I would want, you would want, fans would want the Rangers to make some moves, make yourself better. Here, you don't have to try to get it all back in one year or two years, but at least a, a progression here of making yourself better. And then you look at the Astros, a World Series contender, certainly every year now has has won a World Series, and not only do they are they full of really good young players there are good young players on the way and that is a, has to be an unbelievably daunting thing to look at as you said the 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 top rangers prospects were all in the 80s now that, is, that does not mean that these guys will the guys at the top will pan out and they'll be great it just means that their odds are a lot better right. you know uh, of those guys coming because as you said they've been counting on Leoti Tavares forever say that their odds are a lot better it's just that somebody believes they have more upside than than the Rangers. I think a lot of people think yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't and I don't I don't have any reason to doubt that either. I mean, look what they've done with the guys who are at the major league level now. Those guys have been are have been stars. They haven't right. been just good players. Right. They've been stars. Right. Uh, and and we understand where all that came from a lot. That's from those the 3 years they they tanked and they were the worst organization in baseball and they and they did a good job of drafting. Uh they still do a good job of drafting. Uh, they've done a better job than the Rangers have. But I also I also want to point out to people in favor of the whole idea of tanking. Okay, yeah. when the Astros tanked, they were the only team in baseball to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was great timing. And it was it, it was great timing for them because we, some years there's not that obvious player up top. Uh, and, and they missed on a couple of guys. Sure, they, they did. missed on Mark Apple. They did. Uh, they did not miss on Carlos Correa. They did not miss on Carlos Correa. But or Alex Bregman. I, I just, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, the Astros exploited that at one point in time, mm-hmm. and I don't know that when you've got so many teams tanking that you're going to have that many, that many turns picking in the top three picks because well, other teams are going to 
you, you're that's going to rotate around. You know, no, I, I agree with that I don't I don't believe in tanking in baseball. I mean, it, it, it's one thing if you're you're just terrible. You know, so what are you going to do? Uh, I, I think uh, in baseball in particular that it's incumbent upon everybody. Let, let's let's try to be good here. Let's let's try to get better. Uh, let let's try to win. You never you never can't tell what'll happen. Injuries and and lack of performance and there's all kinds of things that can happen in an organization that can affect its performance. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't believe that if, if people are if, if fans are telling you, oh the Rangers need to tank, I think that's crazy. Right. I, I just You I can't don't... live first first of all, that's a lot harder to live with in baseball. It's hundred and sixty two games. That's a long time and that's a lot of games to be tanking. Uh, and you look what happened in Houston. They they couldn't even get the games on TV for like a, a year and a half into, you know, uh, when they were actually winning a game. So uh, there are a lot of things that are the fallout from that type of thing as well. And there's no guarantee that you're going to come out the other side winning. You know, they work for the Astros. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to work for, for yeah, anybody Yeah, I mean, I, I would say to you that every time you point to some process – uh, or some specific thing that a team exploited to open its window of success, that that opportunity is uh, shut at that point in time because other teams are all going to gravitate towards yeah. that. Now, the idea of employing more information, more analysis, um, all of that, Look, that, I think that's just part of the evolution of every industry right now. Yeah. Because we've got more information and more technology than we've ever had. But that's I'm, that's not a, a something you exploit. You know, every team does look for some degree of proprietary stuff there. But the idea of a f- philosophy of tanking to uh, create a competitive advantage, I think that door is closed now that other clubs are saying, uh, we can, we're going to tank too. And... One year you may be drafting first with a 97 loss team, and the next year you might be drafting seventh with a 95 loss team. Right. And so there's um, well, it's just it's just listen, it's a lot harder when Carlos Correa was coming out. Everybody thought Carlos Correa was the best player in baseball. Right, there was no question about that, and he lived up to that. And that's and uh, but that's just a rare thing in baseball. Uh, the, 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 the point is though, you really, it goes back to, you know, the Dylan Tate over, you know, Dylan Tate was a, Dylan Tate was a horrible, horrible mistake on their part. And here's the thing. They've got a top 10 pick this year. I believe they'll pick eighth. Um, it's imperative that this guy, yeah that this, that this guy moves and probably moves at a pretty decent clip. Um, and you might have to be a little bit safe with this pick. You know, you you can't shoot for. Well, he could potentially have this upside. You better get a contributor. Yeah, now that that whole thing. With the, of course, the Rangers are famous for through several generations is that we go for the athlete. You know, Correct. we go for the upside on these guys. That we're we're swinging miss people here. We're going for the big time, and you know, uh, they've had such little success with that model drafting. Uh, I just, I just don't know why they continue to do it. Now, here here's what I would say too about. Although I will say this, let me let me just say ahead. one thing. We just talked about exploiting um, market inefficiencies and all of that. Right. Last year, you saw the Rangers go deep, deep again into um, high school pitchers. Right. 
they and the Chicago Cubs both kind of identified that as as a market inefficiency, and so that might there might be that short little bubble where teams have so gravitated towards the college pitchers that they have undervalued high school pitchers. Right. That remains to be seen. Hey, Cole Wynn, one of the guys, the Rangers' number one pick overall this year, is one of those Last three year. guys in the top 100. Yeah. So, um, uh, and and he's he's not pitched in a in a professional game at this point. Uh, so it's uh, maybe maybe they've identified some some small area that they can exploit, but that's still not going to bear fruit for several years. See, that's my, that's my issue with the Rangers now, looking back. Um, if you look at the best moves that, that John Daniels has made, they were almost always uh, moves where he gambled a little bit. Uh, the, the Josh Hamilton trade, uh, he spent a little bit, signing Adrian Beltre. Uh, the um, the the low risk high reward type thing. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who who would qualify in that. Um, but there were players who, who the low risk high reward guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colby Lewis was a low risk. Yeah, high absolutely. Guy. There's another one. Uh, um, that that kind of thing. Mike Miner really has been kind of a, a a fairly low risk high reward for the amount of dollars that they spent. True. And, and but I was kind of talking about Morlock when he was building uh, World Series teams. Right. Josh Hamilton was well. There was high risk and potentially high reward because Edinson Volquez was going to be a mainstay of the rotation, and he was a pretty good pitcher. Um, after that, after that, he was. But uh, yeah, I mean, they got they, they got the most exciting player in baseball for several years. But and and they have. Signed players uh, who went on to develop, but they historically have been poor drafting, drafting and developing uh, players, and and that has and to, and to me now this off season, which as I've said many times, Dude, I, I need to, I just need to, I need to modify that statement just slightly. Yeah, I think that they have done a good job in the in the middle rounds of drafts they've identified some really good players yeah. in the middle round I, I can see that ian kinsler mitch moreland those are two that sure uh, that this group uh, this group is uh draft and develop where this team has failed miserably miserably is in the first round oh absolutely absolutely um, no question about it. and 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 finding pitchers correct uh, any pitchers, whether they're whether they're international free agents, whether they whether they were drafted, whether they were signing pitchers, they, they did they've done a better job of of signing free agent pitchers than anything else. Um, but this off season, you know, the Rangers have, are rethinking everything, right? And they and they they're hiring more people on the analytics side, and they're beefing up that that side of what they're doing. And I think those are all those are all very good things. I feel like it's too late. I feel like it's probably too late for John Daniels. I, I think that what is what we're going to see here is that to to see the fruits of all of that. What you're talking about, we're talking about five years down the road, four and five years down the road. Can John Daniels really survive another four or five years without winning? And when I say winning, I mean competing for. You know, uh, division titles get into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think this club's. I think this this organization is going to have a real question if they get to twenty twenty one and this team's not ready to win. Yeah, because that's what we've been, we've been told. That's until we can be competitive again. I don't know what. I guess I should ask for a definition of competitive. What does that mean? 
you know. Well, and, and John will also tell you, I don't want to put timetables on when right. we're going to be. And, and part of that is because, you know, sometimes you do that and you you end up competing quicker, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I mean, I the one thing I do think is that this is fine. This is this year is a rebuild year, and I get it. Uh, you know, the they have mortgaged the farm system. They did expand payrolls to levels that they had never seen before. They do have a bad contract that they need to get closer to getting off of the books. But if they're not ready to make some progress next year and make a big leap in twenty one. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to see how um how John survives that at that point. Yeah, I don't I think it all has to do with what, you know, ownership thinks about him. We we certainly have the impression that ownership likes him a lot. Correct. Uh and um I, and certainly that has nothing to do with the fan perception is and that's completely different. Um but I I just think uh looking at this group um you know to think that you were going to turn around this organization. And, and I guess we need to go back to, all right, so what made them, because there were uh, two or three years in there, was it more than that, when the Rangers were considered one of the top organizations in baseball, uh, was rated uh, you know, in the top two or three, even number one a couple of times. 11, 12, 13. And, you know, they traded a lot of those players. Yeah. Uh, in in deals yeah. uh pursuing uh uh pennant races yeah um didn't have a problem with that certainly wrote at the time that they needed they to had that. one prospect who was sidelined for two years and it impacted even a longer period of his career in yurks and profar um and then they've had some guys who just haven't you know just haven't panned out so um and and this that's why i say this about top 100 lists and ranking yeah, of organization sure. depth. And, and and believe me, there is a lot of lobbying behind the scenes that goes on with clubs, talking to the Baseball America people, talking to the MLB Pipeline people. Uh, it's, it's the same thing you see on Twitter. People negotiate and, and negotiate the rankings just as they would negotiating con- salary contracts so or player contracts. So you take those things with some degree of a grain of salt, but I, I think you know if you look at that top three, those top three for the Rangers, uh, you you know you'd say that's probably their top three. But you know, here's the thing about that: if you look back over the history uh, of all those, because we talk about that a lot, you know, they they gutted the farm system, chasing uh, pennant races. Um, how many of those guys have turned out to be stars that they traded? That they traded? Not many. Although, I mean, you know, I, they, tra- I they traded Chris Davis, and he had some really, really productive years for, for a reliever who did not do much for them. Um, we saw a lot of that, though. John Danks was a very effective uh, pitcher for the White Sox for three or four years, and then it went south pretty fast. Yes, but uh, listen, you give me four 200-inning seasons – no, uh, I'll take that well, every, no, it's like every Tan, day. Like Tanner Rourke, and th- right. these are guys. And, and and Tanner Rourke was a was a throw in in a September trade, right? You know? uh, but Chris Davis, Tommy Hunter, uh, you've seen. Um, you just uh, who did you just mention that I just drew a blank on? Uh, Chris Davis, Tommy Hunter, Tanner Rourke, Tanner Rourke. Well, he's Kyle. Uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here with the Cubs. Uh, Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. Uh, certainly, who, who seemed to be the best of all of those. Right. Kyle Hendricks seem, seemed to be this. Wow, this was the guy at the top of your rotation. He's not maybe not a number one, but he's certainly a. Though two. he wasn't considered a top tier starter. No. At that point in time, wasn't a top prospect at that point. In time. No. And um, he he started to fade a little bit himself uh, as well. I guess my point is that uh, at some point you're going to de- you should develop a star pitcher. You you should uh, you know there should be a guy who comes in here and who year after year piles up the innings and is a is a uh, capable of being an all star maybe a four or five time all star over the space of ten years. Well, I, th- I think you will you will hear. I, this will sound like an excuse, and in a lot of ways it, it comes across as just trying to buy some more time. But I think you will hear, or there does at least have some degree of of legitimacy to the idea that as of 2020, when pitchers aren't going out and sweating down, sweating down to you know a stick figure at their home ballpark, right? Uh, and if it plays a little bit more fair, that this organization might have the opportunity to more readily develop a star pitcher or two. Um, but that still doesn't excuse the fact that over the past 25 years, you really haven't developed anybody. The The best pitcher you developed is Derek Holland. Yeah, correct. And that's uh, and and this organization should have taken a big step back before. I think this. I think they've tried before. Obviously, they. I'm not saying they haven't tried, but this was the first year. I think they made a real commitment to look. We're we're not doing this the right way. We've got to look at different ways of doing this. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, AJ Preller, who has and with the San Diego Padres has ten players in the top 100. And how many of those were acquisitions he made, and how many of them were drafts? Do you know? I I don't know. Uh, but of course, AJ used to be uh, John Daniels' uh, right hand man, um, and in help building the uh, World Series teams. Um, so, how much credit then do we give AJ, considering what he's been able to to build in San Diego, or at least the farm system? Again, I mean that's the thing for me. It's nice to have those top 100 guys. Sure. Sh- give me a winning season. Give me a pennant race. I agree with you 100%. And right now, right now, the best thing the Pirates, the, the Padres can say is, well, Fernando Tatis Jr. is coming, and so are the brown uniforms. Um, yeah. What's up with the brown uniforms coming back? Uh, it's a thing out there. They love them. I, they really? are, to me, they're the worst uniforms in the history of baseball, but – uh, I, they're great if you spill mustard on them because you never know. Baseball is a sport of nostalgia, yeah. And so there's a lot of people of a certain age who now have kids and families and who can afford to pay for tickets to whom those brown uniforms, yeah, uh, represent childhood. I know? like it better if they have a player who has who comes up with a big fro. What do you think, an Oscar Gamble? That would be great. Those were those were the days. I I really would love to see the um, the main uh, uh, trend go away. The flowing mane. Oh, the flowing. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a bad just, look. It's it. You know, it to me, it's it's mulletish. It's really redneck hillbillyish looking. I'm not using Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson. That's a bad look, boy. Well, Josh Donaldson's look is 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 not the 
Noah Syndergaard. Well, Thor, no, well that thing. I, oh, the, no, the, the Thor thing. It is, it is. I don't think it looks hillbilly. I think. I think the Josh Donaldson looks. Josh Donaldson's look was was not a great look. But listen, we're sitting here debating looks. Yeah. Um, and we don't have any hair. Josh, me Josh Donaldson, <laughs> when healthy, you know, you would take him on your team. Oh, any sure day. you would. He's terrific. He's a great player. Um, but but here, I want to go back to this thing on on, on the on rating the the system. So, is it possible that the people rating this system look at it and say, you know what? Even when the Rangers had a lot of prospects and we had them up rated really high, who those guys turn out to be real stars, and and, and so they you lose a little faith in this system to be able to produce these guys. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't want to, I, I'm like you, I don't want to put too much into all that kind of stuff. It, it, because we, but people love lists. Oh, That's they the do. Well, and it, they gravitate towards it. And it, it, a lot of fans like it better than the big league club. I, I all, all that said, and, and I think it's necessary and I think it, it creates interest, but I'm just saying, beware, you know, the, the how many guys a team has in the top 100 and, and what that says about the minor league system. I think the Rangers did a tremendous job this past year of adding depth to the minor league system. Uh, will these guys turn out to be stars? Let's start with serviceable pitchers. Yeah. If they if they get Taylor Hearn and and uh, Wei Yi Chen and 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 or Wei Chen Chi Wang. Oh, good. If, <laughs> You're just making up things now. Holy cow, that's terrible. If they get some of those guys that they got in July, August, September, uh, and, and into the offseason to develop into serviceable big league pitchers, that then gives them the depth option. And I will say this about, about Taylor Hearn, and we get got to get out of here pretty soon. Uh, I was surprised that they could get him. I mean, here, here's, a, here's a guy that throws in the upper 90s, uh, There's concern about whether Taylor Hearn is a starter or a reliever. Yeah. And and listen, they were trading. We know that Keone Kella has some warts, but they were trading a guy who's a 96 to 99 mile an hour guy who was a very effective closer for them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, with years of control. Uh, and, and that is the concern on Taylor Hearn and why he was available at that point. Not enough pitches. Not enough pitches. Is he a starter or reliever? Uh but they like him. I like him. Uh, and he's a good kid. And John Daniels said, John, you know, John does not like to, uh, um, especially this early, kind of let you know where they plan to assign players. But he said Hearn will open at AAA. So they're uh, really that's their intention. So AAA, they wow. they will try and challenge him and say, okay, look, you had a year at AA. We're going to move you up, even despite the fact that you changed organizations. We're going to move you up and let you uh, go out there and prove that you belong because they'd like to push him along a little bit. I think Taylor's 24. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah, so you know they'd like to push him along a little bit at this point. Anyway, I think that that's the kind of guy that could have some potential for him. All right, we, we, before we've got, I know we got to get out of here. One Tommy thing, is really waving his hands around. It's 11:05. We have three more minutes. Um, did Tommy just faint? He just gave you the bird, I think. Um, I did not. <laughs> I I think that in the next week we will see the official announcement that the Rangers are going to artificial turf in the new stadium. Wow, you buried the lead. Um, well, I mean, I think we we all but wrote that in, in the story about the product that they yeah. were looking at. Uh, and here here's my take on all this. 
I know that everybody feels like baseball should be played on grass. And I know that everybody that we are interacting with is basically somebody who grew up watching the AstroTurf for the 70s and 80s, which was a horrible product. I do not know if this product is as revolutionary as people talk about. Uh, but it is different, and it is a new generation. The organic fill that is in the uh, that would be the splash area instead of the rubber pellets. Instead of the rubber pellets, it does produce a lower bounce based on the studies, uh, and so that that's a playability element. The other element that we won't know about is bodies and how bodies react to it. In talking with kinesiologists, what they've told me is. There's no difference in playing on turf and grass. The difference is that it's how your body adjusts. You go play on turf for three days and you're not used to doing it, your body doesn't really adjust to it. And so you end up with some soreness. Um, you play on it for a month or for the majority of a month or the majority of a year, your body does adjust and you don't feel that same that same soreness that you did. I just feel like if the Rangers have identified that this product, which will, as we just talked about on the Cowboys, people who make money like to make more money. Mm -hmm. And this will allow them to do more multi, uh, more events in the, in the course of the season. But I also think that if this turf has come to a point where it is as playable or more playable and as safe or more safe than the grass, which we've seen at the ballpark with no – issue on the groundskeepers the grounds crew is great here uh but stadiums in houston stadiums in arizona they have had some issues trying to keep that grass healthy with the sunlight the retractable roof all those issues that go along with it if we've gotten to a point where the artificial surface is as good or better than grass then people are going to have to give up the idea of the aesthetics and it's not played on grass because all that matters is playability and safety in, in, in inverse order, safety and playability. But you're going to have to get the players to buy into it. And that's going to be the issue attracting free agents. Yep. And uh, you're going to – so those are long-term things. Uh, as we talked about a while ago, who knows how long everybody in that organization has. Um, I think I think everybody should be on – with the exception of Chris Woodward, should be on a short leash at this point. I think in a, in, a, in a couple of years, I think in two or three years, if, if, it, if this organization is not really pointing up, I think that John Daniels needs to go. Um, I can't argue with you on that. I mean, I think that, you know, this last extension is, you you know, if, if by 2021 this club isn't showing real, real significant progress, there's going to be the discussion of making changes absolutely so all right it's 11.09.43 i told tommy we'd be out of here at 11.10 so uh we're early are we gonna just i think we should just stay here for like eight more seconds count it down seven so six, long five. everybody bye-bye bye thanks for listening to the rangers ballsy podcast be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on itunes follow us on facebook and twitter too just search the ballsy with a z podcast until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.